In a franchise as hit and miss as the MCU, Guardians of the Galaxy has long been one of, if not the only consistently good series of the bunch, producing a few of the MCU movies I consider to be great, even outside the larger context of the MCU. I, like many people, am a huge fan of the first movie, and like not so many people, am an even bigger fan of the second. Mostly, though, I find myself coming back to these films because I am a huge fan of James Gunn. The filmmaker's ability to infuse genuine emotion into ultra-violent and comedic films to give depth to the most outlandish of characters are why these films work the way they do. This movie being the swan song for Gunn in the MCU and this series of his, I went in with caution and optimism. Caution due to the recent track record of the MCU not being very good, but optimism because I'm aware of what Gunn is capable of. I am both relieved and happy to say that what we got was not only the best MCU project since Endgame, but most importantly, a fitting conclusion to this story and these characters that Gunn not only has had a major part in popularizing, but clearly loves so much. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 picks up with our Guardians on their now base of nowhere as they recover from the recent loss and then return of Gamora. After the team is struck in an unexpected attack, they must rally to save not only the universe, but one of their own. The film starts out on a very somber note with the first 30 minutes that jumps around quite a bit. In terms of story, it can feel quite messy and like it doesn't really know exactly where it's heading until around the 40 minute mark, but the beginning of the film is crucial to setting up the tonal direction of the movie. The first part of the movie introduces us to the story device of flashbacks to Rocket's upbringing that play a huge part in both the story and the structure of the film. Once the film does get going though, it really flies and bounces back and forth between Rocket's flashbacks and the more current traditional MCU mission timeline. So if you've seen any promotional material for this movie, you may know that the story of Rocket and his background is very central to this storyline. I'm just curious, Wyatt, if you have insight as to why that decision was made in light of the fact that in the previous two movies, there wasn't really a central character that had so much background fleshed out as Rocket does in this one. Right, at least not to the degree where the story kind of centers around that throughout the film. The reason why Gunn chose to do that for this one is not entirely clear. Gunn has stated in interviews for a while now that Rocket is simply his favorite of the characters. It's his favorite child of the bunch, I guess. So I think going to explore him further was probably a natural decision for him. And I really think that the movie is all the better for it. To be provided a clear history about a character whose mere existence as a talking raccoon could be played off easily as a joke or a vague mystery is not only extremely satisfying for the fans, but it actually furthers the development of a character we've already come to love. These scenes are done really well with lighting and tone that plays both nostalgia for one's past and also elements of horror as it delves into the darker parts of Rocket's past. The cuteness of Rocket's animated childhood friends and the warm coloring of these scenes seems to deliberately mask the trauma that Rocket is experiencing due to the terrible ways he was treated as a young raccoon. Now, it's not saying that these scenes aren't harsh. They certainly are. And when it goes dark, it cuts even deeper because of that. The scenes will certainly be tough to watch for most people, especially those sensitive to animal cruelty, but it's refreshing to see something this raw and honest from a franchise that is historic for avoiding the darker parts of its universe. 
I appreciate the fact that James Gunn did dive into Rocket's story. I think I've always seen Rocket as this sassy, harsh character and to be able to see his past and how he came to be, it gives a lot of sympathy to his character, which I think contributes even more to the love that you have for the characters. The rest of the story is not the strongest plot, and in fact, it's fairly weak, but Gunn is able to maximize his locations and sequences in a way that brings you into every moment. Purely on a textural level, the fleshy orgosphere and the retro oddball counter-Earth worlds are amongst the most memorable worlds introduced to the MCU in quite some time. The sense of space and inner world rules to each place grounds them in a way that we're able to accept these wacky and strange characters as being completely real, genuinely existing in these places. So even when things do eventually lead to a more typical, grand, explosive, MCU-like finale, it doesn't just feel like mindless filler. The rest of the cast is all on top form. Quill and Gamora get a lot more interesting things to do here other than a will-they-won't-they they relationship. Uh, it's fun to see Gamora as her kind of tough, gritty self again that we were first introduced to her as even if she's not as likable of a character and for the first time in a while quill really feels like the leader of this group though he is struggling and grieving he feels like someone that the team really rallies behind and depends upon during these missions drax and groot take a bit of a backseat but are still handled really well and mantis gets to flesh out a lot more of her true personality a standout to me though was actually nebula a character that i haven't personally liked that much in the past it feels like in all the past movies she's been her typical anti-hero self, somewhat of a villain with flashes of caring about her sister and being a good person. But by the time we've gone to this film, the idea of Nebula as a villain is long gone and we get to spend the whole movie with her as kind of this big sister role, taking care of the team while Peter grieves, while still maintaining her more abrasive personality. The villains in this movie are really the only way I specifically see Marvel's negative influence on the film, needing to fulfill the promises of past entries and wanting to tell this new specific story. Gunn does overstuff the movie a little bit with characters, especially on the villain side. I didn't hate Warlock like some people did, but he's certainly underutilized and his mother serves no purpose in the story. You can feel that they both really didn't have a place here, but felt like they needed to be shoehorned in. Our main villain, the High Evolutionary, is a much more interesting character, but can devolve into kind of a typical screaming maniac, especially towards the film's latter act. Additionally, his pure cruelty to characters in the film might prove really tough for some people to watch. Gunn's roots in horror certainly show here with acts and, and moments of violence that have yet to be seen in the MCU before this. It isn't the craziest or most violent movie ever, but considering that these are ultimately kids movies and it does have a PG-13 rating, people need to remember that at the end of the day, Gunn is a provocateur who will push whatever envelope he's given. While the action-heavy sequences of the film are mostly reserved for the beginning and end of the story, it is solid when present, especially a really well-done winner of a hallway fight near the end of the film that I know I will return to from time to time just to watch on YouTube whenever I feel like it. The movie is certainly the least funny of the three, but it still provides plenty of laughs. It's ironic that the series that started and popularized the tongue-in-cheek quippy writing that is now ruining the MCU has given us its most objectively sad movie to date. But I think that the loss of jokes proves that the humor and the heart of these movies never came from the one-liners alone. It was the chemistry between this ragtag group of heroes that worked so well, and it's why the rest of the MCU has failed to ever reach its same heights. 
All in all, this movie provides an emotional yet satisfying send-off for these Guardians that we should consider ourselves lucky to have gotten considering the past few MCU projects. It'll be interesting to see how the franchise recovers from the loss of these characters and this filmmaker. All right, guys, well, that was our review of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. As always, if you've seen this movie, please reach out to us and let us know your thoughts on it. We love to hear from you. Until then, watch as many movies as you can, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye! Bye. These are some of my favorite characters, so I'm sad that they're gone now. Because I don't really care about anyone else. Truly. Yeah. Who's left that I care about? No one. No one.